Welcome to The Human Source, the Iris Interviews podcast. I'm Natalie Chedstone, VP of Talent Acquisition at Iris Software Group, and today I'm delighted to welcome our amazing guest speaker, Lee McQueen, who you may recognise as a winner of The Apprentice and the founder and CEO of Phoenix 51. Lee, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, please? Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for having me, first and foremost, Natalie, and, and all the crew behind the scenes. Been very well looked after in the green room and, and all sorts, so it's uh, fantastic to be here. My background's been in recruitment for, give my age away now, but past 22 years. So I started my recruitment career off in, in a small boutique recruitment agency. And then I ended up building a career um, at Capita, ended up being the managing director, interim managing director of Capita Resourcing, which turned over £32 million in in a perm-only recruitment environment. And we did quite a lot of managed service provision, a lot of kind of agency-type recruitment in in a transactional IT recruitment piece, very uh, close to what you guys are doing at Iris. Um, And then, like you referenced, the the apprentice came calling. Not only did I get on the show, I ended up winning the show. So I beat 16 candidates on the show, worked for Lordship. We built a business with his son, Simon, called Amscreen, uh, which is a digital media business, and set it up for about two and a half years and then decided that I wanted to go and run my own company, do my own thing. So I built a company called Raw Talent Academy, which basically is a recruitment business that rips up the resume, rips up the CV and hires based on behaviours and competencies. And business done really, really well, went uh, all all over the world, running recruitment assessment projects for various different blue chip clients. And then we built our own technology, actually, to look at that data analysis insights on how we're recruiting individuals for organizations around the world and then we ended up launching that as a standalone business hence you're up to date now and we are i'm the founder and ceo of software company phoenix 51 have you still got lord sugar's uh number in your telephone but yeah absolutely i've got, got lord sugar's details in uh in, in my phone ultimately he's there if i need him for advice and guidance as he is with all, all of the people even though like we said it was a long time ago 15 years ago now so um, competition for talent is still very high and there's pressure on our talent and HR teams to attract and hire individuals into businesses every day. However, as we know, the recruitment process can be incredibly time consuming. So from writing and creating to posting of job adverts to screening, interviewing and offer management of preferred candidates. But it's still super important to ensure we get all of these stages right and hire the best talent into our organisation. So what's the alternative? I guess agencies can be used, but due to their costs, many businesses simply can't afford this option. So today we're going to discuss a little bit more about HR teams and business owners and how we can improve our recruitment efforts and also explore technology automation and AI tools, suggesting where your teams could make savings to help empower every hour. I guess first question for you, Lee, is how has the talent crisis, do you think, impacted the world of recruitment? And what are the challenges faced by recruitment teams today? We'll all agree that, you know, the economy right now through various different guises, different wars are happening around the world, even feeling the pain of Brexit and ultimately, you know, the fuel crisis not to mention COVID as well, still probably having a kind of a hangover from there, has impacted the economy. So regardless of where we're at from an economy perspective, the war on talent or the talent crisis essentially always seems to have a huge impact. And I, I'm quite passionate about the fact that I believe that the recruitment industry 
is almost the barrier to how we're going to recover from an economic downturn. So recruitment is always a kind of a bit of a barometer from there. So when you see recruitment teams, internal recruitment teams or external recruitment teams and the challenges they're facing, it becomes quite difficult because what we tend to do is we tend to go out after the same talent. What's happening is you may be in a completely different market or a completely different sector to maybe what your core competitors are. And therefore, you don't look at them as competitors. But then when it comes to talent, you are directly competing for that particular talent. And therefore, what we end up doing is actually fishing, if you like, from a really small talent pool, because who isn't looking for good people, Natalie? Do you see what I'm coming from? But what, what our job is to identify what what is good, what does good look like for us, instead of hiring based off a, a job specification or based off of you know a set of you know standard uh, job role or job functions. Let's start hiring people f- around their culture, around their values, around their the environment that they want to be in or the environment that they thrive in. And actually, that's where we start to break down some of them challenges that are being faced by recruitment teams today. Yeah, I agree. I think also it really is still a candidate-driven market. And I think it's just as much about us as businesses showcasing ourselves so that we're able to encourage people to apply for us. Yeah, I, I agree. And obviously, you know, we, you and I have had the benefit of working together in the past. And actually, one of the things I think that you guys have done brilliantly is look at that kind of that culture piece. It can't be manufactured. It has to be organic. It has to be grown. And that, that actually comes from the people that you hire within and actually hiring people around the core values of where your business wants to be and around that culture. That's what makes you stand out, if you like, against rest of the organizations that you're competing with and actually i just wanted to throw a question over to you if i could be so bold is to have you found from your standpoint as a talent leader within your business have you found that you you've started your business has started to compete against organizations that you ordinarily wouldn't have in that talent crunch yeah i think we are finding that Certainly businesses are becoming more open-minded about the types of people they hire. So not necessarily from the same sector, but also to more junior level as well. So not just thinking about the experts in the business. So even talent that's come into the organisation, maybe one or two years in, we're still finding that there is people out there looking for all levels. I think that's really interesting because actually when you you mentioned the kind of the early levels as well, like the early careers piece is that we do a lot of work around trying to understand, okay, where where do businesses want to go? Like some organizations need to have a specific skill set in their business today. And that might be an experienced individual, somebody that's got a track record, whatever it is. That's where your your, your talent pool is, is quite small. Well, actually, if you can open it up wider in that early careers piece and say, actually, if they have the right values and culture, we can actually train them for skill. That's when you're almost opening up your talent pool and making sure that you're you're finding talent that ordinarily might not have been there. Does does that make sense? Have you, have you found that yourself, Natalie, as well? Yeah, I think it does make sense. And I think it's important then as an organisation, whether it's ourselves or whether it's our customers, that we are able to make ourselves as attractive as possible through the candidate lifecycle and the candidate experience. It's really important in my experience that we have a really strong process around recruitment to ensure that we're in touch with the candidate at all times. We're given a great onboarding experience so that actually the process is quite enjoyable for the candidate as well. 
Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And we, we've done a lot of work on this as well, haven't we, within your organisation around applications being ghosted. I think that's probably our biggest issue as a sector is that we, we don't give enough feedback. I don't know whether it's a human thing. I don't know if you, you agree, but we don't like giving bad news, do we? Let's be honest. But the best way that we can keep that experience for that for that candidate pool is, like you say, to give them that feedback and to explain to them these are the key reasons why you didn't get through to the next round. And actually, that keeps the integrity of the organisation that's hiring intact, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think, you know, it's fair. And you made the point about ghosting applications from people that you don't want to hire. And it might just be a timing thing. It might be a skills and experience thing, but they could be, you know, your future customer. But with the right tools and processes, there's, there's no need to ghost and ignore candidates. Well, I've always put myself in, in the client's shoes or, or in this instance, in the candidate's shoes. And actually, if I was a candidate applying for a role in an organisation, what would... I want to experience and actually if we can deliver you know 90% of that or 100% of that or go over and above that 100% to deliver that experience you can't probably go too far wrong my advice be to recruitment teams tech acquisition teams that are watching and listening to the pod is really about okay what are we doing to really make sure that candidate experience is strong you know they could end up being your customers in the future or they might end up you know coming back to to be one of your leaders or your managers or, or whatever it might be in the future you just don't know there's a huge amount of to be said for for that candidate experience because Otherwise, what we're doing is we're, we're almost cutting our nose off to spite our face, aren't we? We're basically, we're doing all the hard work to attract talent to the business and then almost turning them off when we don't need the talent. Oh, yeah, we've chosen somebody else. Then we have to start that whole process again the next time we're looking to hire. And that's why that crisis that we mentioned right at the beginning, that recruitment crisis, that talent crisis, is almost a revolving circle. It's up to us as the recruiters, the talent teams, to break that circle, that cycle, and to do something different. Completely agree, completely agree um, on that point, Lee. So you and I have both worked in recruitment agencies in our previous careers. And, you know, today many businesses do choose to manage recruitment in-house, you know, using ATS to gather candidate information, really to try and speed up some of the manual processes. Do you still think there's a role for the recruitment agency today? Not a role reversal, but a merger, if you like, of what the what a recruitment agency or an internal recruitment teams do and how they could work together more effectively. I think a lot of the time, organisations that have internal recruitment functions look at a recruitment agency almost as an emergency service. So in other words, oh my word, I can't fill all these vacancies or there's a really hard to fill vacancy, I'm going to go and use an agency. Personally, I think that's a slightly wrong way to look at things. I think what we should be looking at is finding recruitment partners that actually enhance that experience, not only for candidates, but bringing good talent into the organisation. And what I mean by that is actually looking at from a partnership perspective. So instead of putting a list together of agencies that you may or may not use, bumping them down based on price, this for me is archaic. And I think what we need to be looking at is actually we do say 90% or 85% direct delivery. So in other words, we are only going out to a kind of external help for maybe 10, 15% of our vacancies. The vacancies that we're going out for are specialist roles. And therefore what we do is we use recruitment agencies from a specialist perspective. And therefore it's not an unwanted cost, it's a, it's a necessary cost. 
If we start to think about that in that way, we, we come to a very different conclusion. Because what a recruitment agency, is specifically a niche or specialist agency, will have is really good understanding of the market. What organisations are looking for when they're spending their money on an agency, they're expecting, in my experience, some expertise in that particular field or in that particular market. What are the movers and shakers in that? If you're looking for a Java developer, for example, if you're looking for a project manager in a specific sector, why should I use you versus my own internal team? Because they know that market. And, and actually, it's the expertise that you're buying, not just the person or effectively, excuse my language, like the bum on the seat. So for me, it's a partnership agreement whereby we're saying, okay, we're looking at our talent pool over the next 12, 18 months. We know that these are the types of individuals that we're going to need. So 10, 15% of our recruitment is going to have to go outside of the organization. And this is who we're going to give it to based on expertise and uh, credibility within that said market. One thing that I think I've probably noticed over the past couple of years or so is that agencies and businesses that provide recruitment services are much more flexible than probably they used to be because there is an increase of internal teams. So I know that agencies can now provide different levels of service, different levels of assistance. So if you do have an internal team, for example, you might not need a full recruitment service, but actually you might need support managing interviews or just a bit of sourcing. And I know that actually now some agencies and some businesses offer a flat fee for a recruitment service, for example. This is actually quite a cost-effective way of still getting that outside expertise, but making it more cost-effective internally. So I think recruitment services is much more flexible now than it used to be. And I think it's much broader in terms of the services that actually it can offer. You mentioned as well about kind of using ATS and that type of stuff, software to to speed up some of the manual processes. I think that's where the biggest wind of change, as it were, has been over the last kind of 10 years, not necessarily just in ATS, but actually in what I would call like the technology stack. There's so many organizations now that are getting miles more mature in the technologies that they're using. But part of the challenge on that as well is that knowing what technologies to use when. So actually, as part of an internal talent acquisition team, you've got all these technologies that are available to you. Which ones are the ones for you to be able to use? Which ones would fit your business correctly? what kind of technology stack are you starting to build out and I think that's really important as well so you've got the ATS which is a pretty much of a mainstay actually what other technologies do you need to be able to start making sure that you've you've streamlined them processes you mentioned before so much so that you only look at outside recruitment agencies as an example from them specialist roles that you know that you can't seek and you can't find because actually Some organizations have databases of candidates and that type of stuff. Some people will go out and go to job boards and they will go to LinkedIn and they will do all of the normal kind of sourcing piece. But actually, the bit that you're really buying from a specialist agency is is their network. And I think it's also around how those services and those businesses can support with automation tools and AI and thinking about how we can actually leverage those tools to create efficiencies. And I think obviously there's a fine line between that and uh, and human nature and actually having that interaction. We can touch upon that in a bit later. But where do you think automation can help with the areas I've just mentioned? 
I think it has a huge role to play now in, as I said, as we touched upon just beforehand around that technology stack. As, as organizations get more mature around internal workflows, internal recruitment process, talent acquisition, you know, mapping out where they need to be, they're going to need tools to be able to help them do that. And there's so many different tools out there. What I found since I've got into this market about three years ago is that it astonished me how many organizations are still using pen and paper and CVs. And again, I use the word, if, if I may, archaic kind of processes to hire what is arguably the biggest asset that you're going to have in your business. And that's your people. So the, the shortlisting side of things, the sourcing side of things, the interviewing, the selecting, there's so many different technologies out there for each of them key areas. I think for me, it's about what do we need in our organization today? What are the bits that we want to give to automation, give to AI? And what are the bits that we want to keep ourselves? What are the bits that, you know, making a decision? And this is a question, a rhetorical question, but do we want the computer to say yes and the computer to say no? Or do we want the, the technology, the data, the insights to give us the power to make a better decision? It's very powerful to be able to say, do you know what? Use AI for your entire sourcing process or screening process because you don't, you won't need to talk to anyone. And you're like, oh wow, that is amazing! Like, I would, I, I can just get on with my other job. But actually, what do you lose by not talking to people? Because if you're not talking to people, you're not getting to know people, you're starting to lose the very essence of people and and that is what most of our businesses are built around is the people within them so i think ai and automation has a huge role to play but i think it's how you how you roll it out into them certain areas and i think that you know not everybody will agree with me but i still think that it's important that a human still makes the decision because i don't think you can replicate meeting someone talking to them getting a feel for them does that make sense that is that is still a core part in my opinion of the recruitment process what do you think natalie yeah, so I, I guess, have a similar view to you that actually the human interaction is still super important. I think there are elements, for example, role sign-off, authorization, creation of job descriptions to an extent as well, because there are lots of different tools that we have to be able to create job descriptions to ensure that they are gender neutral. I think there are lots of vacancies we can use that templated automating job publishing, for example. So actually something that does really take time is posting your advert online. Whereas if we have automated job publishing on channels, um, different job sites, I think actually that saves a lot of time. But I think interview face-to-face -face on Teams, you can still use AI, you can still use technology to score and to assess everybody. But I think that actual interaction is still, yeah, super important. Yeah, I completely agree. We're definitely on the same page with this one. And I think, you know, advice for people looking to change or to automate certain things in their business, they have to do, you know, you have to do what's right for your business. And, and for some people, they will want a thousand applications that they get every month or every week or whatever it might be. But they want them pre-screened by a piece of AI that basically starts looking at CVs and saying, okay, this person hasn't said this, this, and this, so they're going to be a no, but this person said this, this, and this, and they're going to be a yes. And that saves a huge amount of time. But part of the problem with AI, and I'm not, this is not me doing down AI, I think it's fantastic, but part of the problem with AI is if we can use AI as a candidate to write a CV, and we can just basically go to ChatGPT today and say, right, I need to apply for a Java developer role. Can you make my CV look really good? and then ChatGPT writes it, and then we apply for that job with a ChatGPT CV, when the AI then looks for the certain things on the CV, 
is going to flag my CV as a yes, isn't it? It's going to go, oh, right, this candidate looks really good. But actually, I've got AI to write my CV and then AI is screening my CV at what point by actually giving, you know, the, the credibility around my details. So I just think we need to be be careful of how we utilize it and use it. On the one hand, it's like, wow, this could save me 80% of my day or this could be amazing. But actually, is that in detriment to, as we mentioned earlier, the human interaction or the human touch? Or, dare I say it, we're using AI based on an AI CV. So when do we really get to see who the person is and who that individual is that is going to come into our business and arguably take up a very important post in the business? Without a doubt, the number one reason why people leave within their first year is because of a disconnect between that individual and that company. If we're using AI to speed up our process because we don't want to do it ourselves, but it's detrimental to matching the right core values and behaviors, then I don't think that's the right way to go. Does that make sense? So I think it's about getting a balance between what we want to speed up but actually keeping that human interaction of the people that we bring into our business, I think is is really, really important. I think video interviews are probably quite a good way of maybe saving time, but also seeing and looking at the person, you know, who wants to join your organisation. So actually sending candidates a set of questions and asking them to record their answers still allows that human element to an extent, but again, can potentially save time. Ultimately, though, when you are selecting somebody to join your business, as you mentioned, the absolute kind of aim is to ensure that the values and behaviours are aligned but often it isn't just one person interviewing so panel scoring so each person does score that individual in an unbiased way I think having great systems to allow you to do that so actually have a cumulative score making sure the process is unbiased consistent and everyone is judged on the same criteria I think again that's quite an important element as well when you are looking to hire somebody into the organisation as well. Yeah I, again I again totally agree it is unbelievable how many organizations around the world still do that in a paper-based format i mean if you think about the gdpr scenarios that you've got around that just as an aside you know the data the impact that has on dpia on that particular impact in the business is mind-blowing so to think that we're still jotting things down on a piece of paper and then making a the decision based on that data just need to be a little bit more cute a bit more smarter with how we're gathering that, them insights and then using them insights as well Completely agree. So I guess I'm just thinking now about automation and we've used some automation for the process. We've had that human interaction. We've done some really quality assessment and scoring of an individual and we've arrived at deciding who our perfect candidate is and they've accepted the job. It's really now important to continue that relationship because the the moment they accept the job offer, that person is then engaged with your organisation. I think it's super important to ensure that they get a great experience from the moment they accept the offer to the moment they join. I think, I guess I'm thinking about technology in the final steps of recruitment. So how can professionals utilise technology to ensure that the candidate has a continued experience from the moment they start um, with the company? Yeah, I think this is, I think it's an excellent point. I think that one of the things that's been so impressive in some of the automation tools that I've seen at the kind of the offer process or the onboarding process has been where it's made that process really efficient. Now, in this candidate-driven market, as you mentioned right at the top of the show, Natalie, you can't be waiting three weeks to get paperwork out. And then why, why should it be paperwork? It should be digitalized, right? So signing a contract 
understanding that automation process of right okay these are your next steps almost like a process flow of now you've offered and accepted the role these are what the next steps are going to be but it's finding out actually this is what the next steps look like this is how it's going to be and hand-holding somebody through that process you know if you think about it again going back to the point that i mentioned before about putting yourself in a candidate's shoes some of us obviously watching and listening to this have been candidates of course we will have but maybe not for a long time time and actually if you put yourself in the candidate's shoes taking a new job is a very very exciting process but it's also quite nerve-wracking at that point once you've verbally accepted an offer typically what do you need to do as a candidate you need to go back to your employer and quit that's really nerve-wracking right so how are you going to get somebody to be able to manage that process themselves and utilizing automation to be able to handhold them through that process a benefit of using an agency or a recruitment provider, a recruitment partner, is they will probably help guide the candidate through that way. But if you're actually doing that directly, have you got the resources and the time to actually work with that particular candidate to move them forward and through, through that process? And I think that's where automation can help and come in. Yeah, so I think there are some really nice bits of technology that support the final stages of the recruitment process. And it allows that interaction between their future employer and the individual. And that can be really just simple touch points. So anything from, you know, requesting references to reminding the future employee to send the information that's needed, whether that's sending a nice little video two weeks into your notice period, welcoming you to the team. There's lots of technology that can actually do those simple pieces of high touch, really, to the candidates. And it avoids losing candidates by keeping them engaged following the offer. And again, helps with some of that counter offering, which obviously does happen quite a lot still, and there's still dropouts. But actually, if you you know you are a candidate and you, you are sitting there two weeks in thinking, oh, you know, have I made the right decision? And then you get a nice video from the CEO of your new company or your new manager sending you a nice little welcome note actually goes a long way. And I think it's that continued employee experience that technology can provide. And that's through, you know, an onboarding portal. It's really personalized, make life easy for employees, whether it's DocuSign, get access to your team. Everyone likes an easy life, don't they? They want it, they want the process to be made easier. They do. Again, just to interact with you there, that, that personalised feel. Like if I, I'm taking a new job and it's nerve-wracking for me and I've got to quit and, I, and I'm coming into a new organisation, I want to be welcomed into that organisation, don't I? I want to have my, my laptop or my workstation, you know, desktop, or if you're getting a mobile phone, I want to have that. I want to have my welcome pack. You know when you, um, it's just a bit stupid, but you know you know sometimes when you go to a high-end retailer and they send you out what, what you've bought and you open up the box and it's got a little welcome note in there and, and it smells really nice and you've got the, the tissue paper and then you open it up and you go, wow. You know, you know when you open it up, it's an excitement. It's like, oh yeah, it's come through the door. Like, and that's how you want to feel, right? We're, again, we're human. So we want to feel that it's personalized to Natalie or it's personalized to Lee coming into this organization we are welcoming you and this is your first step of your journey within your new career you know having a process that's not joined up that takes a long time that isn't automated that you can't sign like you said DocuSign that is something that can be eradicated really really quickly. So I think Lee you know we agree recruitment has traditionally and may still continue to be a human process but I think there are benefits of automation as we've highlighted in our conversation today and I think that we agree that businesses need to strike a balance between technology automation and maintaining a personal touch and I think as businesses 
think of tech as a time-saving tool that speeds up your hire process, that improves the overall candidate experience whilst keeping the process consistent, fair and also compliant. I think that we have, have covered quite a lot today in, the, in our conversation. So again, I'm sure we could carry on for another half an hour talking about recruitment and process, and I'm sure we will do at some point again in the future. But I want to thank you, Lee. So that's very kind of you to join us. I hope our listeners have found this insightful. There are many other podcasts in the Human Source series from Iris. So please do have a browse and don't forget to subscribe. So for now, though, it's goodbye from me, Natalie Tedstone, and a huge thank you again to Lee for joining us.